But uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you can be turning in your Bibles there, and I'll be reading verses 3 and 4, and we have, we have looked at this passage already. We're in this series talking about the Antichrist, if you're, if you're just visiting with us, maybe you didn't know that. Uh, we already talked about the rise of Antichrist and the reign of Antichrist. Today we're going to look at the rejection of Antichrist, and then next week we're talking about love because it's Valentine's Day, and then we'll finish up this series with uh, the last one, which will be the rout of Antichrist, as Antichrist is destroyed. But for today, it's the rejection of Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Please stand together with me out of honor to God and his word as I read. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Thank you. you. may be seated. So today, looking at the rejection of Antichrist. First of all, I want you to see he is rejected by God. He is rejected by God. Here in this passage, he is called the man of sin. Now, we all are sinners. We know that Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the word sin here in the Greek is actually translated literally lawlessness. So rather than being called the man of sin, he's being called the man of lawlessness. Now, don't misunderstand. He will have plenty of his own laws. When Antichrist rules and reigns over this entire earth, he will have plenty of his own laws. He has no regard whatsoever for God's laws. He has no regard whatsoever for what God cares about. He has no regard whatsoever for what God says. And so he has laws. He is a man of lawlessness in that he has no regard for God's laws. And you notice from the passage I read here, he claims to be God. He claims to be God. He will sit in the temple of God as God. I wanted to show you a, and I'm looking at it now, but I wanted to show you a picture. I talked about it last week, how the Bible in English has the word temple, but temple has two Greek words that are both translated temple into English. The one is called Hieron, H-E-I-R-O-N, and that refers to the entire temple complex, the whole area. Then there's another word translated temple. It's naos, and naos in Greek is the Holy of Holies, that place where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the Ten Commandments were, where the high priest would go in once a year on the Day of Atonement and so on. So when Paul says here in this passage I read this morning that Antichrist is going to sit in the temple, does he say he's sitting in the temple just somewhere in the temple area? Or does he say he's sitting in the naos, the holy of holies? Well, he will be sitting in the very holy of holies. And now we know the holy of holies, that's where God belongs. But the Antichrist is going to sit there. He's going to say, you know why I'm in the holy of holies where God belongs? Because I'm God and you need to worship me. That's what he will say. But we know that God demands and God deserves exclusive worship. God demands exclusive worship. And God deserves exclusive worship. And God allows no competition. The Ten Commandments are clear in Exodus 20 and verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God doesn't say, well, you can have a few gods here, a few gods. He said, there's to be no other gods. He demands and he deserves exclusive worship. And yet this guy, the Antichrist, the beast, he's going to go into the very temple of God, into the Holy of Holies. He's going to say, I am God. That's why I'm sitting here in the Holy of Holies. Not only does he claim to be God, he accepts worship. He accepts worship. In Revelation 13, in verse, uh, verse 4, it says there, And they worship the dragon, which gave power to the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, Who's like the beast? 
And so he accepts worship. Now the worship will be sincere. Most of the world is going to worship him, and their worship will be sincere. As I told you last week, the world's going to clamor for him. He is heralded as the world's savior during the tribulation period. And so people are going to actually worship him, and it will be sincere. But where the worship is not sincere, it will be forced. It'll be forced. If you look at Revelation 13 and verse 15, it says, And he had power to give life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So he's going to say, you've got a choice here. You can worship me. Remember, I'm God. I'm sitting where God belongs in the Holy of Holies. So you can either worship me or you can die. Up to you. What do you want? Most people will worship him in sincerity. Those who are not sincere will be forced, and those who refuse will be killed. But how can God reject him, the Antichrist, if God has planned for him? I mean, we read about it here in 2 Thessalonians. We read about it in the book of Revelation and other places. So God is already telling us the Antichrist is coming, the beast, whatever you want to call him, he's coming. How can God reject him if God has planned for him? Well, God in his providence allows Antichrist to rise to power. But Antichrist is personally responsible. The beast is personally responsible for what he does. He wants to be God. He wants to be worshipped. He's personally responsible. Remember, I told you the first week that the beast is Satan incarnate. You can read about that in Revelation 12, 3 and Revelation 13 and verse 1. We learn there that the beast is Satan incarnate. And this is what Satan has always wanted. Satan has always wanted to be God. Satan has always wanted to be worshipped. And so the beast is Satan incarnate. And he's going to say, worship me. It's what I've always wanted. Not only that, but sinful people will elevate the Antichrist into what he becomes. And so God allows this to happen. But the beast, the Antichrist, he is personally responsible for everything he does. But he will experience the ultimate rejection in hell. The Antichrist will experience the ultimate rejection in hell. You can look at Revelation chapter 19 and verse 20. It says, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And so this is the ultimate rejection, as the beast, the Antichrist, is thrown into hell. And hell is a lake of fire burning with brimstone. That's how John describes it. I want to read to you how Jesus describes it. This is in Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 43, here's what Jesus has to say. And if your hand offends you, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot offends you, cut it off. It is better for you to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye offends you, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. That's how Jesus describes it. John in Revelation says it's a lake of fire. Jesus gives us a, a more a more appropriate description. He says, first of all, hell is real. You don't think hell is real? Jesus said hell is real. Secondly, he said hell is real painful. It's real painful. Because in hell, he says, the worm dies not. Worms, and that word is actually larvae is in, the, in the Greek there, which means there's worms that eat up the people in hell for all eternity. Not only is it real and real painful, it's real hot. 
Jesus said the fire is never quenched. It's real long. Hell is forever. Elsewhere, Jesus would say hell is real dark. He called it outer darkness. And not only that, but hell is real crowded. It's real crowded because all who die without Christ of every time period will spend eternity in hell. In fact, John in Revelation 20:15 says this, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So that's why hell's going to be really crowded because every single person throughout all of human history who did not receive Christ will burn in hell forever. That's why when I speak on hell, I tell you, you don't want to go to hell and you don't want anybody you know to go to hell. Even your worst enemy, you don't want them to go to hell where they will spend eternity with the worms and with the fire and the darkness and all of that forever and ever and ever and ever. But this is what happens to the Antichrist. In the end, he's thrown into the lake of fire. But then all who die without Christ of every time period will spend eternity in hell as well. So let me tell you this. The only way to avoid hell is to go to heaven. The only way to avoid hell is to go to heaven. And the only way to enter heaven is through Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And so if you want to avoid hell, that means you want to go to heaven. And if you want to go to heaven, you need Jesus. And with Jesus, you need to receive him as your Savior. You need to believe he died on the cross to pay for your sins, that he was buried for your sins, and the third day he rose again from the dead. And if you believe in Jesus and you receive him like that, truly receive him as your Savior, you'll have your sins forgiven. He'll give you eternal life. You're going to heaven one day. End of story. End of story. And so we see the Antichrist is rejected by God. Secondly, I want you to see he's rejected by believers. He's rejected by believers. There will be those during the tribulation who will not worship the Antichrist and who will not take his number. If you look at Revelation 13 and verse 15 that we actually already read, but I just want to say it, read it again. Revelation 13, 15, it says, He had power to give life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So clearly there are those during the tribulation who will not worship the Antichrist. And so there will be those during the tribulation that will not worship the Antichrist, and they will not take his number. Now again in Revelation 15 and verse 16 talks about that number. It says, And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. But during the tribulation, believers will reject the Antichrist. They will not worship him. They will not take his number. And his number will be administered, the Bible says, on the right hand or on the forehead. And it goes on to say, the Bible goes on to say, it's not necessarily a number. It might be a mark, which would be a picture. It might be a name. could be the Antichrist's name. Or it could be a number. We don't know exactly what it's going to be. We know that we're being prepared to take it. We know that. That's what I've been talking about the past two weeks. We are being prepared to take that number or that name or that mark when it comes, but we don't know exactly what it's going to be. On that, Chuck Vaughn, who does our sound, uh, he also works at a bank. He wanted to show me something this morning before church started. He showed me a card, not a credit card. It's just a card. He said, watch this, and he put it up next to his phone. His phone immediately read that card, had all his information, added his name, address, everything into his contacts just like that. I mean, this is coming. It's coming, right? So we're being prepared to take it. 
And even though we don't know right now exactly what it's going to be, the tribulation people will definitely know what it is because some of them will not worship the Antichrist. Some of them will not take his number. But how are they going to know not to worship the Antichrist? How are these people going to know not to take his number? Well, maybe they heard a sermon at some point in their life. Maybe they read the Bible themselves. Maybe they were told by somebody else this is coming. By the way, during the tribulations, these will be dangerous. Uh, hearing a sermon or reading the Bible or being tell, told by somebody else, these will be dangerous but possible. People will still uh, be able to hear a sermon as long as it's available. As soon as the Antichrist finds out, it's going to be taken away. They're going to read their Bible, but as soon as uh, the Antichrist finds out you've got a Bible, that's got to go. They might be told by, told by others about the Antichrist. As soon as he finds out about that, they'll be gone. But these will be possible during the tribulation. They just will be dangerous. So I want us today to be reminded of the importance of what we do as a church. What we do right here as First Baptist Church, but we're not the only one doing it. It is so important what we do as we teach in person and as we broadcast our teaching online. And when I say teaching in person, I'm not just talking about what I do from the pulpit, but we have all kinds of teaching that goes on here all week long. I mean, yeah, Sunday's a big day of teaching, but there's, there's ladies' Bible studies, there's other men's Bible studies, there's different things people meet at homes. And so what we do as a church, so important, teaching in person and broadcasting online, God is reaching people now, and he may be reaching people for the tribulation. Say the tribulation starts a very short time from now. And there is this series, just from our church, this series. Well, until the Antichrist is able to pull that down from the Internet, it's still available. And people can go out there and they can read and learn about the Antichrist. And they will learn not to worship him. They will learn not to take his mark. It is so important what we do together as a church right now. We are reaching people now and we may be reaching people for the tribulation period. But what about these people that refuse to worship him? What about these people that refuse to take his mark? They will be severely persecuted. They will be severely persecuted. Some will be killed as martyrs. And others will die having no means by which to live. In Revelation 13, 17, talking about that mark of the beast, it says and that no man may buy or sell except he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So some of these folks that don't worship, that don't take the mark, they'll be killed as martyrs. But others will die having no means by which to live. Think about it. If you don't take that mark, that means you can't purchase necessities. You can't buy food. You can't buy medicine. You can't pay for medical care. You can't pay your rent. You can't pay your mortgage. You can't buy gasoline. You can't buy heating oil. You can't pay for electricity. If you don't take the mark, you're going to die because you'll have no means by which to live. And so those who don't worship the Antichrist... Those who don't take his mark, they will be severely persecuted. But there is some good news. And the good news is that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I mean, I can't give them any good news for, during that tribulation period. I can't give them any good news because they're going to be severely persecuted and they're probably going to die. But they are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In Revelation 13 and verse 8, it says this, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the Book of Life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So the good news for those who endure the tribulation, they are saved. They are sealed, Revelation 7.3 says, and they are secure. Well, they're not secure necessarily in this life. 
but definitely they are secure for all eternity. For as I said the first week, the worst thing the Antichrist can do to you is kill you. And as a believer, once you're dead, you're immediately with Christ. So death isn't so bad, is it? All I can say, the good news for believers that are in the tribulation, their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. They are saved, they are sealed, and they are secure. So we see in the rejection of Antichrist, he's rejected by God. He's rejected by believers. But I want you to see, thirdly, he's rejected by unbelievers. Unbelievers. Now, don't miss me here. He's not rejected by unbelievers in the future. Excuse me. He's not rejected by unbelievers in the future tribulation period. He's rejected by unbelievers right now. He's rejected by unbelievers right now. People today reject this idea of a worldwide leader. They reject the idea of the Antichrist, the beast, whatever you want to call him. They reject that. They think there's too many different nations. By the way, there's currently 195 nations on this earth. They think there's too many different leaders. There's too many different languages. This earth now has over 7,000 unique languages. They think there's too many different religions. Maybe they think there's too many atheists. I read recently there's 25% of the American populace says they're atheists. And so these people today think there's no way you could have a one-world leader. There's no way that people will worship him. No way it's going to happen. So again, they're rejected by unbelievers not in the future tribulation period. They're rejected by unbelievers right now. Too many different nations, too many different leaders, too many different languages, too many different religions, too many atheists. People today make fun of the idea. If you go home and tell some unbelieving friends or family members you have, oh, we've been talking about the Antichrist, they'll laugh you to scorn. Let me tell you this. Antichrist is not a joke, and the tribulation period is no joking matter. In fact, somebody asked me after early service, said, you know, I noticed you didn't tell a joke today. And somebody was with her, and she said, yeah, and he didn't tell a joke uh, the, the past two Sundays either. You know why? Antichrist is no joking matter. Oh, there are Antichrist jokes out there. He's no joking matter. And the tribulation is nothing to joke about. I've intentionally not been telling jokes. But these people today that think a worldwide leader is impossible, these people today who make fun of the idea, I believe they'll be among the first to accept and worship the Antichrist when he comes to power. The ones that say, hey, it could never be, you're crazy. They'll be among the first to accept him. They'll be among the first to worship him. Why? Because the onset of the tribulation will change everything instantly. When the tribulation begins, it's going to change everything instantly. As I told you the first Sunday, there'll be unparalleled natural catastrophes, uncontrollable human immorality, unbelievable misery, suffering, and death, unimaginable tragedy. At just the onset of the tribulation, it's going to change everything in an instant. And these people right now that laugh, they mock at the idea of an antichrist, a world leader, people worshiping him, they'll be first in line to accept him and worship him. Jesus said the great tribulation will be unlike anything the earth has ever experienced. This great tribulation will be unlike anything the earth has ever experienced. Here's what he says in Matthew 24 and verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. He said the earth has never seen anything like this great tribulation that is coming. Now, think about it. Noah's flood. We read about that in Genesis chapter 6, beginning in Genesis chapter 6. Now, Noah's flood was devastating, right? 
Noah's flood created many of the earth's great geological features that we see today. Noah's flood left behind a massive fossil record of death. The only people that survived Noah's flood was Noah and his family. And Jesus, including that, says the earth has never seen anything like the Great Tribulation. What about natural disasters through the millennia? There's been earthquakes, fires, tsunamis, you name it. Jesus said the earth has never seen anything like the Great Tribulation. What about wars? Mankind has been at war almost since the very beginning. Now, we think of the big wars like World War I, World War II. There's been wars all through history. Devastating destruction. Jesus said, you've never seen anything like the Great Tribulation. What about the Holocaust related to World War II? The Holocaust. Six million Jews died and millions of others. That's horrible. Horrific. Jesus said the earth has never seen anything like the Great Tribulation. And that is why at the onset of the Great Tribulation, these people now that are mocking, making fun, they'll be the first to get in line. They'll be the first to accept Antichrist. They'll be the first to worship him because they've never seen anything like the Great Tribulation. Never in all of history. And so today, my friends, don't wonder how you will respond to the tribulation. You might be sitting there thinking, well, I wonder what I'm going to do. I wonder if I'll be one of those ones that won't worship him. I wonder if I'll be one of those ones that won't take the mark. Don't wonder how you'll respond to the tribulation. Receive Christ as Savior and don't worry. Don't worry. Because here's the deal. Before the great tribulation begins, Christians are raptured out of here. That's why I say don't worry. Don't worry about it. So don't wonder how you're going to respond. Receive Christ and don't worry. You won't be here. Thank God you won't be here. So we look this morning at the rejection of Antichrist. We see, first of all, he's rejected by God. Why? He's the man of sin. He's the man of lawlessness. He hates God's laws. He claims to be God. He sits in God's very place. And then he accepts worship from the whole world. But understanding that he's Satan incarnate, that makes sense. This is what Satan has always, always wanted. He's not only rejected by God, he's rejected by believers. There will be those during the tribulation who will not worship the Antichrist, who will not take his number. How are they going to know not to worship him? How are they going to know not to take his number? Because of what you and I are doing week after week after week right here. We are teaching in person. We are broadcasting online. God is reaching people right now, and he may be reaching people for the tribulation. So keep on keeping on, church. And then thirdly, we see he's rejected by unbelievers. Oh, not in the tribulation. He's rejected by unbelievers right now, right now. They think this whole thing is laughable. Antichrist is not a joke. Tribulation period is not a laughing matter. Not at all. And they may make fun of the idea. They may say it's impossible. But we know it's possible because God says so. It will happen. And then Jesus said the reason it's going to happen is because of the great tribulation. The great tribulation. This earth in all of its destruction and all of the things that have happened through thousands of years, has never seen anything like the Great Tribulation. And that will change everything. But again, don't wonder how you'll respond to the Tribulation. Receive Christ as Savior and don't worry. You won't be here. But if you don't know today that if Jesus were to return, maybe even today, for the rapture, you don't know for sure that you'd go with him 
to be with Him forever in heaven. You need to receive Christ as your Savior right now. You need to believe that He died on the cross to pay for your sins, that He was buried for your sins, that He rose again the third day. That's the only way to be ready. And then once you receive Christ as Savior, you don't have to wonder how you'll respond during the tribulation. You cannot worry because you're not going through the great tribulation. You're going to heaven. I'm going to be there. And I don't say that boastfully. The only reason I'm going to heaven is because of God's grace. That's the only reason. But I'm going to be there. I'm not going through the great tribulation. And you don't have to either. Receive Christ as your Savior. And you won't go through it. You'll already be in your permanent forever home. So if you're here today and you've not received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, invite him into your heart to be your Savior right here, right now, today. And we invite you to make that decision public. You don't have to. God knows your heart. But in just a moment, we're going to be singing, and you can come and make that public, and we'll rejoice with you. Maybe you're already a believer. You know if Jesus were to return right now, you're going with him in the rapture. You know you're not going through the great tribulation. Well, you have people in your lives that need to know. Not about the Antichrist. They need to know about Christ. Maybe you would recommit your efforts to share with the lost in your lives the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And even though we don't like talking about I've been honest about that. I don't like talking about Antichrist. I like talking about Christ. But this is in your word. It's very important. And Father, may you use today's message to reach people both here in this room and online to get them ready for the rapture. And for those you don't reach today, maybe you'll be reaching them during the tribulation. Either way, Father, your word does not return void. So we trust you. We thank you for the true, genuine hope you give us. Jesus is coming back to take all believers with him. We won't go through the great tribulation. Thank you for that. But there will be believers that do go through it. Already we pray that you be gracious and merciful to them. But thank you that we can have a part in reaching them even during the great tribulation. So, Father, have your will and way in this time of invitation. If there are those who need to receive Christ as Savior, give them grace and faith to believe right here, right now. And for those of us who already believe, we pray that we would share the good news of Jesus Christ. Not the bad news of Antichrist, but the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world who is heading straight for the great tribulation. We thank you in Jesus' name.